The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Hey, it's Rob and Kennedy. Hello, today on the Email Marketing Show, we're talking about what the heck is cross-selling and upselling, and how can you use it to make loads more sales? Now, just before we dive into that, we have put together something really cool for you, and it is totally free. See, you want to make more sales from your email marketing. We know that. That's why you are here. But you can't make sales if no one is clicking on the links in your emails to go and check out your stuff. So that's why we put together 12 really creative ways that you can get more clicks from every email that you send in this download that we're calling Click Tricks. It's yours totally free as a listener to this podcast today. All you have to do is go to emailmarketingheroes.com forward slash tricks. He's permanently frustrated by dusting. It's comedy hypnotist Robert Temple. And his favorite scent is sandalwood, honey, and tobacco. It's psychological mind reader Kennedy. Kennedy. So what's going on with all this dusting then? Like is just dust everywhere or are you sick of people dusting you because you're standing still for too long? You know, do you ever feel like dusting's just fairly pointless? And if we all just accept dust as a like a thing, in the same way that you accept, I don't know, potpourri or something around people's houses, it would just be better. Because you dust, and then the next thing you look, there's more dust there again within, I mean, I'm talking within minutes. Maybe. But that's within like minutes. shaving or anything that's like, oh, well, we're also not going to shave. And we're also not going to, oh, but we're going to end up smelling at the end of the day. So we may as well just smell. And we may as well not recycle. Because like, it doesn't take minutes. Just appearing takes minutes, mate, and it's frustrating. Yeah, no, I don't get frustrated. I get frustrated by seeing dust. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that looks minging, and I hate it. So Yeah. And then dusting's weird, isn't it? Because you take a piece of material and you wipe the dust up, and it ends up craggy and minging. In the air. And then, and then <laughs> the dust that's now all over your yellow duster or whatever you're using, you now put that in the drawer and then get it out again another time and use it again. It's very strange. I find it very well, some weird. People, some of us clean that. That duster. I threw it away and buy a new one. Because <laughs> I don't know how you I don't know how you clean it. It's funny that your favorite scent, sandalwood, honey, and tobacco, is also the names of your three ex-girlfriends. <laughs> Isn't it? I don't well, think you've you been influenced at all. Uh, is that one scent, is it? Sandalwood, honey, I and tobacco. I think so. Do you know what it is? I I I put this um down as one of my uh, facts to mention on the show a little while ago. And I can't remember whether that was uh, whether that's a a bath, like a bubble bath type scent or if it's the wax melt that we use in the living room um, i can't remember i don't remember it's a being a sandalwood honey and tobacco matey when i was a child <laughs> remember matey matey bubble bath for kids was little that the one bit. with the little um, lamb was it like a duck or some or a, a sailor something? It's a little, it's a little sailor man. You need to screw his head, old woman. Okay. Oh, do you know what I'm confusing. Do you know what I'm confusing it with? The little parrot thing on the top of Pez. Remember Pez? <laughs> the crap <laughs> sweet like, out of a Jew, and it was the most exciting thing in the world. Um, them crap sweets. Can you imagine? I bet you had crap baths if you put them in the bath. Me, mum, so I just swished them around. I wasn't swishing hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the word bubble. I'm not buying him bubble bath and sweets. Yeah. It's his hoof, stock and fill filled. Anyway, <laughs> hello. Every week on this show, uh, we talked about talk to you about how to make more sales and earn more money from your email subscribers. We talk about email marketing strategy, psychology, tactics, and share what's working right now to make more sales online, making you the email marketing hero of your business with a brand new episode every email marketing Wednesday. <laughs> 
Make sure that you hit subscribe on your podcast player. They went on a bit, didn't they? That sounds like we get on with the content. One star, too much fun. That would be very, very funny if that just carries on for the whole episode. You're desperately trying to shut it down. Anyway, so as you threatened at the beginning, we're going to talk about the difference between cross-selling and upselling, what to do, what not to do, how to use them, why to do them, why not to do them, and how, how we do them, I guess, is, is an interesting... Yeah, I think, I think it'd be quite interesting. I think every time we talk about what we're doing in our business, for some reason, people really like hearing about what we're actually doing in the practical sense. I think I understand that because a lot of people out there are sort of sharing theoretical, this is what you could do, this is what you should do, whereas... Everything we do, everything, and the reason actually we start any of our programs was because we found a lot of the conventional marketing wisdom wasn't working for us. I mean, really, like you look at like Tripwire Offers, what a horrible name, first of all, but you and I, neither of, like one day we sort of had an awkward conversation when what we thought was going to be an awkward conversation about, yeah, mate, I've never, I've never made a Tripwire work. And yeah. you were like, hey, me neither, but I was a bit embarrassed to sort of shit. You know, so there's a load of stuff that is widely taught and widely, um, shared and, and chatted on about that we didn't get to work and so i think that's why people like hearing what what we're actually doing because we talk from look we tried this thing it sucked we can't make that work we've tried a different thing and um so let's talk about the difference between cross-selling and upsell. For me, it's one of those things. I don't get that hung up on the difference between them. Like, I'm like... No, we definitely me, use the terms interchangeably. <laughs> I, I mean, I do. I do. Which is, you know, and, and I get frustrated with people doing that in other places. Like, when people mix up scarcity and urgency, I'm like, that's not urgency. And I get right on my soapbox. But when I, and I'm sure when I'm interchangeably, interchangeably talking about cross-selling and upselling, there's somebody else with their own soapbox going, that's the wrong one. But for me... Listening to this. I bet they're listening to this. Give us a fucking one star review, then go on. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's talk about the actual real sort of proper definition. Effectively, upselling is taking somebody and selling them a sort of perceivably larger thing. So more expensive, higher commitment. You know, it's it's something it's probably traditionally always more expensive, but could just be a higher commitment thing. Like it might be a cheaper month, a cheaper price, but every month for the rest of theirs, theirs and their children's lives, you know, like it's just, it's either more expensive, it's more commitment or something along those lines. Um, whereas cross-selling is effectively selling people other things that are on the same, if you think about your products like a hierarchy, or they're on the same rung of the hierarchy or thereabouts. They might even be a little bit lower than, you know, you could consider, well, where, where does downselling come into this? I always think of downselling as being, if they didn't buy product A, you sell them product B, which is a bit cheaper. And it doesn't actually just have to be different products because I'm just, it's, I think it's important to say that it can be different offers for the same product. So, for example, you might have a full price thing, which is, I don't know, $1,000, right? Let's just say on, on your sales page. And then when they click, no, I don't want to buy that, or they, they, they go to leave or, you know, whatever, you might say, hey, would you like it for three payments of X? Yeah, and we, you know, we've done thing in the past. I would see that payment plan introduction as almost a downsell, really. Yeah, exactly. We've both done a thing in the past where we've had a membership, and we've also had like a lower rung of the membership. So people who didn't want to pay the full price, there was a lower rung of that, and they could get a bit less stuff, like they didn't get your newsletter or you know whatever, and that meant that that was a a cheaper price. That's a sort of downsell of effectively this, effectively the same thing. So let's talk about how that looks in our business then. So people come into our world. We want to sell people our main course first, and we work really hard to sell people that. And then if people buy it, over time, we will upsell those people into one of two things, really. Well, yeah, one of two things, really. Uh, we will upsell people into either our 
Accelerator program, which runs a few times a year. It's a small intake-based cohort-driven program that opens and closes and because it runs live, it has to. And then we also, I guess, have our agency too, which again is limited capacity, much more expensive, much higher ticket. Shouldn't say expensive, people won't buy it. Much, much higher ticket. And that is, uh, again, an upsell. I think that's probably all we've got. Now we consider, until this conversation, we consider loads of other things in the business upsells. But in reality, if we look at the the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, that's really what upsells are, right? Yeah, and, and where would you put, where would you put, so, so for example, somebody joins our blueprint and as they're enrolling, we offer them the chance like a bump offer. Right. So we might we have a bump offer on that, which obviously we're testing different ones. But where would you see where would you put the bump offer? Is that an upsell? Because that feels like an upsell to me. So I think that's ba- I think that's location based. Right. So if it's a bump offer where they t- check it. So just for pure thing, as this, as you said, they check a box on checkout. They haven't paid yet. I think that's an upsell because it is an upgrade to your existing. You're upgrading what you're actually buying now. But right. If they buy it, if they buy it a week from now. <laughs> Then you've crossed all this. <laughs> Again, the vernacular doesn't matter, does it? Like the actual words don't matter. We're bit, I mean, you know. the whole point of this is really to look at the fact that you, you want to maximize how much someone is able to spend with you during that time. We'll get into that in a minute. But then <clears throat> to open up another can of worms on the next page, say they're offered another opportunity to buy. We naturally will call that an upsell. I believe it is an upsell. Yeah, so I think for me, the way I get there is if they're in the if they're in the transaction, therefore we're upgrading stuff. Like, do you want to upgrade your order with this and upgrade your order with that? That's sort of an upselling thing. Whereas if it's over time, somebody bought a thing today, their transaction's complete, and over the next six months we're going to try and sell them five other comparable things, then that is cross-selling. Now, of course, if you were in the e-com world, which we're not, but if we were in the e-com world, then this might be a wholly different thing because you, what you might have is you might have five different, like I can't tell you how many identical coats Alfie has, but in different colors because every time Rachel right. sees a dog coat, you know, in different colors, oh, we're going to get in the purple one. You look regal in purple. Yeah. I think that that's a, uh, you know, that that's that's true cross-selling, if you like. So yeah, mm. I think, again, the, the words probably don't matter that. But what this does allow us to do, let's talk about what we sort of recommend, I guess. This allows us I get I always get frustrated and feel a bit sorry for people when I see what I think of as quite an unsustainable business. I'm always very proud of how sustainable our business is. And what I mean by that, I don't mean in the eco-friendly sense. We're not, you know, we're not planting trees for every ebook we sell or anything like that yet. But what I mean is sustainably profitable and sustainably manageable. Because what I see Are you talking is, about the economics here? Yeah, just and the fact that like not having to create new stuff all the time. So like what we've built is a really good ecosystem of stuff where people join our email list, either free or paid. They go through a sequence of stuff that maximizes their ability to buy something and then be upsold and cross-sold a million other things. Well, not a million, a few other things that makes our customer value high. And we don't every three minutes have to go fuck, let's make something else. Because I talk, I see people posting on Facebook going, I'm thinking about doing, you know, it's the thing we teach. I'm thinking about doing this class on XYZ thing. I'm sure you've just done a class on, you know, ABC thing. And I think, I wonder how many of those they sold. What, however many it was, it wasn't enough. Like they could have they could have taken that if it was any good and, and, and they liked it and turned it into a, a, a bigger part of their business. Whereas we haven't created anything new other than for the fun of it for ages. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, the way that we can talk about our kind of flow of somebody joins the list today, they go through what the, what we'll go through in a minute, is really sustainable. As in, we're not every three minutes creating something new because we need to go, how, you know, how else can we, um, or what else can we do? We're not running live classes all the time and like kind of no. trying to put a new stuff. Uh, uh, although we, we love teaching, like we, we love teaching, we love going to events and teaching our keynote and all. And that is a challenge, right? Like that. 
that is a challenge because if you enjoy that stuff, you're inclined to do it. But in order to, for every for every minute of teaching you've got to do that you love and benefits people, there's probably an hour of copywriting and graphic design and funnel optimization and other stuff you've got to do in order to get to that point. You know, for every minute of teaching that you want to do, there's a bunch of other crap that comes along with that. Whereas if you build but something, what if, in, what if instead of going right, okay, we you know, as people who love teaching, love sharing your expertise and, and that kind of stuff, which I think we all do because fundamentally we, at our core, we, we got into this because we like doing that. But what if instead of saying naughty, slap your hands, you're not allowed to do that anymore. You, you have to just focus on the marketing and selling that thing more. What if instead we just focus on re-channeling that teaching, re-channeling that into, okay, how can you learn to teach in a way that sells more of the, of the core thing? So, Anyway, that's a discussion for another time. I'd want to go down that hole, but I just wanted to I want to think about that. So, in terms of what we actually um, think we should do, what's the practicalities of going out there and adding cross sells and upsells? The first thing I would say is don't get carried away. I think this is a thing we see loads as people hold off on putting their thing live, their course, their coaching program, their membership. They hold off on putting it live because they're like, nah, "Great, I can't put it live yet because I haven't got any upsells. I haven't got any profit maximization." and the thing is, you don't even know if you can convert that one core thing at the front yet. Yes, initially you might lose money on ads on it because you haven't got the economics weighed up, but you want to make sure that that thing on its own will sell. There's no point in going deep into creating additional programs, offers, getting assembling all these additional programs that you can upsell and cross-sell to create a whole funnel when you don't even know if you can get people in the front door with the core offer. So the first thing... I would implore everybody to do, I say this a lot, is get that front thing converting because a lot of our job really is just testing new offers until we find the one that resonates with the people we're in front of and in our tone and the way we're able to express it and our angle on it. So really, I would say focus on not adding cross-sells and upsells to begin with because for me, cross-sells and upsells are about adding more value, making it so that the economics work. Well, that's the second phase. The first phase is, can I get the core thing to convert? Yep. So we want to do conversion first. Say you're running ads, okay? Yes, usually to make ads work, you're going to need to have them go from an ad to a thing that they're going to buy. And then you're going to have to have a bunch of bump offers, check boxes on the, on the shopping cart, upsells and stuff to make the economics work. That's phase two. You really, because what you want to do is you don't want to waste a load of time, invest weeks and weeks or days and days on creating those products that you can cross sell and upsell if the front end doesn't work. So you, instead you want to be flexible enough to be able to go, right, I'm going to run this offer and see if I can get people to buy it within a range that I think is acceptable. Yep. And that I think I can make back on some reasonably good upsells and cross-sells. So your front end might be $37 and you, uh, oh, let's, say, let's say it's $67 because we've got one that's running like this right now. So you've got a front end that's $67. You're going ads into the $67 item and you've got nothing else because you're just testing the $67 item. If it's costing me $88 to acquire that $67 person, yes, I'm losing money today, but I know that the damn thing's converting. So now after that's run for maybe a month and the, the newness has worn off, if that's still bringing people in for $88 or maybe even $95, something like that, for my $67 thing, I'm acquiring buyers, great. I am in the negative, but I'm now in the background because I can see it's working. I can now be working on writing the course, putting together the program for the upsells. So the recommendation 
And I don't know what you think. We've not really talked about this raw, but my recommendation is because if the front end doesn't work, let's say the front end is that $67 and just people are clicking and not buying. You're making, you know, you're just making massive losses on it. You're spending, it's costing you $350 to make a $67 sale. Getting that to even out with, with the economics of a funnel is much, much trickier. Like it's way off mark really. So if you try to dial it in, try to dial it in, the good news is you've only created one product. You can now go, sod this for a game of soldiers. I'm going to go and, and, um, and come up with a different front end. Yeah. And yeah, then launch sure. that. Do that for a month and go, oh, that one didn't work either. Cool. The good news is you're using the least amount of time. Because the reason we all keep going with an offer that's not working is because we've invested so much time in the whole damn funnel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's there's a bunch of benefits to doing this. You've already touched on some of them. There's things like, you know, you get to make more of your ad costs back. The truth is that when somebody's in, a, especially if it's like a, a live funnel where, you know, there's a, a string of products in a row, people are in like a buying trance, you know, they're in the process of buying, they've got their card out, especially in a, in a world of one click up sales where you just click a button and it, it builds the next thing. Obviously, got to be done ethically, got to make that obvious, etc. But we do it and we don't have, we very rarely have anyone get in touch and say, oh, I didn't know that was going to charge me like one in a million customers probably do it so yeah so like it helps to liquidate ad costs uh, maximize return on ad costs it helps you to uh, again get people to buying fast because they're going through this sort of buying trance it also is a real thing like whenever we go and speak at an event or uh, do a training for somebody's group or do something where you and i are involved in it and at the end we get a flood of people come and join our email list there's something really satisfying for me at least i don't know about you um about knowing we, all we've done is we've turned up for an hour. We've delivered our best possible stuff throughout it. We've told them about our lead magnet and then some our Facebook group or whatever. And then some people have gone and joined that thing, which means they're now on our list. And now in the next 60 days, we've got this incredible system that's going to turn those people into customers very quickly. And then within the 90 days following them becoming a customer, there's a really great system that's going to maximize their value to our business. Not quite maximize it in that time, but it's going to make significantly more. And then over mm. time, as we do other things and those people will buy those other things, like we run the accelerator and agency and all those other things. We're going to be, and you and I are not in the trenches every day going, where's the next dollar going to come from? You and I are mm. out there just preaching and delivering and getting people in the system at the front end. And then it is t- the, the wheels are turning. It, it's taking care of the rest. Yeah, it's really, really nice. I, I think one of the things that people do get worried about is like, how do they maximize the value of somebody quickly enough that now, makes that, sense yeah and, and now this is super important because what you were talking about there about you know sometimes people are out of out of pocket on ad spend and things like that is that you may always be out of pocket on ad spend you may never be able to get it to the point and it's going to get harder to get it to the point where your funnel like the initial thing somebody buys from you and the upsells to it cover ad spend it might be that your acquisition thing keeps you out of pocket on ads permanently because you just can't make the economics work like that is a thing and some businesses people we know do that by design they're like we want to be losing money on the front end because it just means we're going to acquire faster we'll make it back you know we can't sell them the twenty thousand dollar thing on the funnel but we can a week later so we'll do it then we'll make do for a week but the challenge with that is that those businesses are very well funded and because they made a lot of money a long time ago they can afford they've got the cash flow to sort of sit out of pocket for a period of time um, I think one of the things that's worth bearing in mind in this, one of the things we're really good at, just to toot my own horn for a minute, toot, is toot. we're really good at, at, at getting people to buy quickly and getting to maximize their value quickly. There's none of this loitering around, waiting for them to finish what they were doing last week before we sell them the thing we want them to look at next week. Like it's literally, we'll sell them it while we think it's important to them and then they'll figure it out as they go. 
they'll look at it when they've got time to look at it. They'll have the stuff, but we'll make them want to buy it now in the nicest possible sense. We'll make them realize the, the importance of buying it now. Um, and so what that means is that, you know, people join our list today. There's an incredible email system that's all automated that turns those people into customers and it does it fast, which means we get a ret quick return on investment. But then likewise, when people have bought something, like somebody's just bought, say, Countdown Hero, there's a whole series of stuff designed to get them to take the next step and help us make our ad spend back. And again, if you don't do that quickly enough, you'll quickly find that you're spending more on ad spend than you are in money coming in. And that means that you've got a problem. Like if you don't do it within the next 60 days, can you afford to sit out of out of pocket on ad spend for 60 days permanently? Probably not. Most people can't if you're spending any volume of ad spend. Yeah, and I, I think one of, one of the things that we have to think about is this only happens predictably if it is automated. Like if we had to remember, oh shit, we've got to run a promotion to our list this week because we had a bunch of people come in or, um, oh, we haven't done a promotion for a while because we've been busy on holiday or we've been taking a break or we had friends visiting or we've been doing something else in the business or whatever, then these things would fall through the cracks. The only reason it's predictable that we bring people in the front and it turns into customers and we're confident in that and we're happy to go out and speak at events and stuff and do online events as well is because we know it's predictable. We know that every single person who comes in goes through that system. Like, there's no, there's no choice. They don't get to come in and go, oh, where do they go next? Or when, when are they going to receive that next promotion? It's going to be as soon as that happens. As soon as they have joined the list, this is what happens until they buy. And then as soon as they buy this thing, there's now a whole series, a chain of events, which is happening in what we call the customer engine, right? So you've got like your subscriber engine, which is the one that turns your subscribers into customers for the first time. You've got your customer engine which is designed to maximize that journey. So, and that includes, and we've talked about this in, the, in past episodes, that includes onboarding people, getting to consume the stuff, see the value in the stuff. Then of course, upselling them, cross-selling them onto, onto other, other, other things. But we also want to make sure that uh, we don't make some of the mistakes that we have seen. One of the things that is a personal pet peeve of mine, and I've spoken to a few people about this one, is when you're making offers to people, I hate this, when you're going through someone's funnel, right? And the, you, you buy the front end thing, you go, oh, that's lovely, that's, that's a great thing. On the next page, it says, oh, do you want this other thing? Actually, it's just, I just don't want it. And I go, no. And the next page, do you want this thing? And you go, mm, I don't want that one. No. The next page, what about this thing? And then you've got five, six, seven things deep when you go, I've said no, man. I've said no. For me, if someone says no twice, I want the funnel to end. Now, I realize that is technology dependent. If you can't do it, you can't do it. But ideally, in most platforms, it's great if you can just, if you've got the ability, if they say no to two upsells or cross-sells in a row, then uh, then end the funnel. Say, uh, take them to a thank you page, show them how to uh, log in. And even if that's a thing, that's what we call a pseudo thank you page, right? Which is like, it's a thank you page which says, hey, I'm going to, um, here's how you get your, your login details. And then it turns into an offer as well, where they can, and, and ideally it's what we would call a softer offer, like also register for this free webinar, which is going to be a webinar with an offer in it, something like that. That works really, really well at the end. So that's one of the big mistakes I think people are doing is they think they need to have this never-ending chain, especially on the downsells. I do hear people complaining about, God, every time I said yes, they offer me another thing. And I'm like, well, you kept saying yes. And I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm personally okay with, if we had an upsells which were 20 deep, I think I would be okay with that. If they were converting, obviously that, that would be dependent on conversions. Yeah. 
Yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, do you, are you happy with them saying yes and just keep going? Or are you like, at some point, you need to, you need to like stop? Yeah, as long as it all feels congruent and relevant, and you don't don't. Sometimes I see upsells like we're always quite strict on how tightly related our upsells have to be following our boat and island framework. If you've studied that from any of our training, but equally at the same time. I've seen a lot of people who have these things and suddenly it's quite good to begin with. And then suddenly it goes way off piste and ends up being about something that's sort of, you know, in the same niche, obviously, but like different. And I think, ah, why, why do you think I might be interested in that? Why have you put this together? Cause now you're just shoving stuff on for the sake of putting foot upsells on the end and, and making the funnel bigger. So I, I like it as long as it makes sense and it's congruent. Then I think that's fine. Yeah. I think the other thing, the other, I sort of already touched on it a little bit, but the other mistake I think people make with this stuff is that they don't have, they don't have a system that they build once and just let it run forever and make them or you know for a long time and make it make make it make them lot, lots of money i think most people's approach to upselling and cross-selling which i think is fine to begin with just making sure i really believe that's true but not for very long because it quickly gets in your way the problem is when people do this it's the it's usually at the stage of their business when they can least afford the time to do it and that is again creating new stuff all the time so like you know uh, oh i need to make some some fast cash i'm gonna just I'm going to do a, I don't know, I'll, I'll do a four-week class. And then suddenly they've got to rally around making sales pages, putting the stuff together, making it happen. And then they sell that to their audience. And then once that thing is dead, it's largely dead. But three months later, they're doing another one on a slightly different topic. And I think for me, what I what I like to do is to continue to build out an, an otherwise already automated system rather than, mm. and, and that's not to say you should never do what I just described, but you should do it when you've got the bandwidth and the time and the freedom to do it. The truth is in our business, we generally don't, but we do have the, the bandwidth, the time and the freedom to do that sort of thing because we have a team, because our, the rest of our business is largely automated because you and I take a lot of time off. And if we just went, well, we're going to take one day a month less off, we could, we could do one of those quite easily. So again, most people are doing that at the stage of their business where they don't have a team and they don't have a thing or that's why they're doing it it's like a catch-22 they're doing it in order to make a bunch of money because they haven't automated the stuff they've already got that works and is you know going to make them sales every day but actually it's when you've got all that stuff that you can most afford the time and and free and the mental freedom to do a good job of it so i think yeah this for me is is not building out the system you've already built that you know is working but rather the you know, just dragging your business off course. You and I sort of comment on it, how many people we come across on a day-to-day basis, not people we know all that well, but just people we see on social media or whatever. And we think, what are they doing now? Like they've suddenly gone from being, you know, an expert in this to suddenly the expert in that. Suddenly, like their business has changed and there's nothing wrong with pivoting over time. But like we see people who seem to be doing it every six months. And I can't help but go, you can't be doing a good job of building out any of this. At some point, you have to, you do have to commit. And I think it's all about getting that balance between committing to a thing, but also knowing when to let go and go, that thing's not working. And that's, that's a discussion. I mean, it's probably one of the questions I ask almost every entrepreneur I meet is, how do you know the line between tenacity, sticking with a thing and making the damn thing work, uh, and seeing it through, versus stupidity, which is... Which is knowing that actually this thing is just not going to work. One of the I, I other things I want to just go on. I think what I see on that is people who 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 we know because we've seen the inside of their business or we've talked to them or whatever have launched a thing and they've sold I don't know twenty thousand dollars worth of it, hundred thousand, and we go that definitely works. Like that is a hundred percent proven. Yes. But then rather rather than do what we do, which is automate and scale it, they they hit a ceiling and go right. That's that done. Then fuck, I'm gonna make something else because they go that's that done. Then rather than you know. I've sold, I, I need to sell some more of those. I need. I've now. That's that should be the proving point. Unless right. I think for me, unless you've got a thing which is like a machine that sells on a 
let's say, daily, weekly basis, or, you know, every time you open the doors basis, a couple of times a year at least. The fridge door, then, the cupboard door, the front door. I'd love to make sales. Anytime you open a door, things. every time you open a door, money in your account. New headline. Like every time you open a door, bang. There you go. Gazillion yeah, dollars straight in your pocket. Your pockets won't be big enough for how much money this is going to make you. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you have to worry about is how you're going to spend the money, that all the money that you make. Yeah, you're going to have to just figure that out, I'm afraid. Sorry, you're going to have to buy a... You're going to have to buy a bigger mattress. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when sales pages said that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I also just want to... Before we wrap this up is I just want to talk about the types of upsells and stuff like that that you can have. And one of the things I think is really important is to create some kind of congruence as well and 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 increase the perceived value. So for example, look at what's happening in your market. What do they see as more valuable and what do they see as less valuable? So for example, if your front end product is say $67 and it's a video course, you I think it's going to be, you're going to have to do a lot of positioning, a lot of marketing, a lot of copywriting to convince people on the next page to spend $97 for an ebook. Now, it's not impossible. Like It depends on how you frame it, but it's going to need marketing. Whereas if at the core of it, the thing ha- that the, the, the media which is being used has more perceived value, then it becomes another selling point of why it's valuable. Remember, every single element of your product and the marketing of what it does is part of that messaging. So people you know, often, I think, forget that the actual product itself is part of the marketing, right? Like the fact it's a six-part video program or it's an eight-week coaching program, that has perceived value in the fact of itself. And one of the things I think people get so, so that's the first point. I kind of want you to think about when you're doing your cross sales and your upsells, thinking about what is the perceived increase in value. And also, let's not get stuck into the fact that you have to have a cheap thing, say $67, and then it has to go, you know, $100, then $300. Like it doesn't have to go incrementally up. In fact, I've seen some really successful funnels where the front end might be 300, then the upsell is like 47. Because it really, because, and what's really nice is those $47 upsells, the cheaper upsell converts like crazy because of the price anchoring that's offered by the front end thing they already bought. And they're like, oh, what's an extra few dollars when I've already invested this? The other thing you can do is you can go dramatically higher. You can go from 67 and then on the next page, you could offer a thousand dollar thing. We've we've got some friends who then their, their, their and colleagues who it goes. I think I'm, I can't remember the exact from. I think it's thirty seven on the front end and it's fifteen hundred as the upsell. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things to definitely think about. The other thing I wanted to talk about is it's really easy, especially when you're putting a new funnel together, to offer your time as an upsell. And I just want you to sense check whether that's something you really want to do. Or are we you see doing, people do this with. Or are you doing it because you haven't got anything else to upsell? Like, that's a terrible reason. Exactly. And people often do this with bonuses. Oh, and you also get a 40-minute call with me. And often, we've seen people suffer conversions because of offering time with them as a bonus. Because people are nervous about talking to people they don't really know. Or they're like, oh, I haven't really got time for that. I want to just study at my own pace. I like to just do my own thing. Leave us alone. I'm kind of that person. 
robs that person definitely yeah for sure and i think and the interesting the interesting thing i think to wrap this up is just the any other business stage of the podcast is just the fact that remember this upsell (laughs) and cross sell thing happens in two different ways you definitely want to have it so that when people buy a thing you immediately put them through bump offers upsells downsells that all that stuff in a in a in a congruent well thought out funnel which is a whole episode in its own right and then as soon as that's bought your job is not done your job has just started the next job is to use things like our email engines to turn and ongoing email marketing to turn those customers into repeat customers of other things. Or if somebody comes in through a free lead magnet and they don't buy anything in your immediate funnel, then you've got to work even harder to get those people to buy stuff down the line because you need to, you need to maximize your value of every customer in both ways. So when you look at it right now, what you've probably got is somebody who can join your list through a lead magnet or through a product or whatever. The the next bit really to look at if you want to scale that business is not how do I drive more people in through that front end. The next bit, if you want to scale that business and make it more profitable, it's going to go quick. For every one person who does, or every hundred people that do, or every 10 people that do from wherever I'm currently getting them, what can I sell them immediately that's going to make sense in this sort of funnel process, which is largely actually what Kennedy's been talking about. And then what can I do with ongoing email automations and ongoing stuff over time to maximize that person's value? Again, without feeling like every three minutes I've got to launch a new thing because that's not sustainable uh, which is largely what I've been talking about so there's two different bits of this that you've really got uh, uh, people really have to sort of grip onto um, and if you do and one of the them- ways we do what you're talking about Rob is here's a little cool extra bonus tip is how do you turn everything you're already doing into an opportunity to create a product right so if we are asked to speak on stage if we are asked to give a talk somewhere give a training somewhere run a bonus day for somebody we're like awesome are you filming it if you're not can we you know or if it's online can we get the recording so there'll be stuff you're already doing that you can probably leverage as well yeah oh, cool shit. episode awesome uh that was that was a really interesting discussion i enjoyed that now for this week's subject line of the week subject line of the week uh this one was what have you got? Um, this one was just the words ruining your day and basically it's a bit like there's an old subject line that's gone around for years which is just bad news full stop all in lowercase because it's like you know um, people want to know what's the bad news it sort of has the same ring to that to me i think but it got a massively high opening click-through rate but basically i like the idea that people go oh no what's happened you know sort of like and when they get in it's nothing to do with that it was something to do with somebody ruining my day but i think if you just get if you get that sort of negative sense in a subject line people do open it Love it. That's this week's subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Awesome source. Well, thanks for listening to the whole show this week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast player. We'll be back next email marketing Wednesday next week with a brand new episode. We'll see you then.